0: Welcome everybody to the next edition um, of the Better Agent Series with with the, none other than John McGrath, founder of McGrath Estate Agents. How are you, John? Hey, well, good. I'm not sure if Better Agent is misleading, but we'll we'll keep
1: going, and we'll <laughs> let the audience we'll let we'll let the audience judge whether whether what we say is better or not. But uh, anyway, <laughs> interesting times.
0: Um Thank you. I know you're a busy man. I really really appreciate um, the opportunity to spend a bit of time with you and everyone um, from Open Negotiation. So thank you. The interesting um, thing about busy well, I, I've because it's always interesting, it's a word we
1: use all the time and I do it myself mistakenly sometimes because I think, you know, I heard a long time ago, if you prioritise things that are important, you're never too busy. And I think this is one of the issues that I was thinking about on the weekend, that time management in our industry as an agent or a principal, whatever your key role is, time management and your ability to prioritise key things. In an age which is fantastic that we can do this, that we can pick up the phone between appointments and make calls and so forth, um, and, and if you want, you can work 24 365, which is a dangerous bit. But I do think that um, effort, energy, and time management are three really critical components, and I've seen, funny, because I, I, I texted someone which game was, it was Tom Panos, I texted him on the weekend, because the, uh, the Tigers were getting flogged. They're getting flogged by a team that they should have flogged, actually, um, they like got beaten by the Warriors, and with great respect to our New Zealanders, the Warriors shouldn't shouldn't have beaten the Tigers on the weekend. But I, I texted Tom at halftime, and I said, you know, what's happened is your guys have been out enthused, and, and and there's more effort coming from the other team. Who, you know, on paper the Tigers would win 99 out of 100 games against that roster, but you know it's not on paper. It's in the field. It's on the ground, and it depends on the emotion, the the effort. And I just said the other guys have had more enthusiasm and they've applied more effort. And I think in real estate, having interviewed Josh Teslin ourselves last week for our, our McGrath team, and um, Josh is, is phenomenal and he'll do 4000000 million-ish this year with one assistant, about 200 sales. This is his third year in real estate. Same thing. Josh has incredible energy. He applies great effort and he has great time management. And those three things have got him from zero to four million within three years. So it really is quite, a, I mean, on one sense, I was going to say it's extraordinary, but on the other sense, it's actually just basic. Anyone on this call and anyone, you know, in your open negotiation database or, or audience space um, can apply more effort, more energy. That's just like, that's stuff you can turn on the instant. It doesn't require a budget, doesn't require a degree in anything. It just requires more effort, more energy, more enthusiasm. So back to the initial comment around busy, you know, like we're all busy. I've never met anyone in, in our sphere of real estate or business that isn't to a large degree busy. But the question is, what are you busy doing? Mm. And we talk a lot about dollar productive activities. And uh, as you know, and your know, question is out of the 60 hours that you're investing into real estate each week, which is probably about the average, you know, for most people it's 10 or 15 a dollar productive and the other 40 are waiting for something to happen. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for everyone listening Energy, enthusiasm, effort, time management—these
0: are these are pretty critical things. Absolutely, well said. I'm sorry I said that at the start. I'm only kidding. (laughs) So today's topic, um, you know, goes without saying that the next twelve months in real estate are going to be fascinating for some, um, interesting for others, difficult for some, um, but life-changing for others as well. So a bunch of questions I've got for you um, is: What do you think the trends are for real estate that are going to be implemented through this pandemic and then coming out the other end. What do you think will stick?
1: So I, I just I'm going to answer that, but I'll, I'll just put on the beginning. Well, what you said up front, which is interesting, and I agree with. It is you know let's call it an interesting time. I've got a, I've got a view that chaos creates opportunity, and I think right now and we've seen Tesla, and I just mentioned him. He, he is going to take advantage, not in a negative way, but he's got his head down and he's decided he doesn't want to even use the c word, COVID. He's just, he's just going hard for listing sales. He's talking to people that want to buy. He's talking to people that want to sell. And that's what Matty Steinway, you know, our colleague, talked about. He said, you know, like out of 40 vendors, I went back to all of them. I said, look, COVID's hit. What do you want to do? And he said, half of them said, yeah, I want to still sell. The other half said, I think I'll stay on the sidelines. And Matt said, tell me more about that. And a few of those then said, no, you're right, let's get going. And some of them said, no, I want to stay on the sidelines. So I think that um, just like in the Depression, many great, fortunes were built i think covid will be the best time for building market share for agents that are switched on um focused positive now you can't be positive and naive it's not about saying hey what covid i haven't even heard about it." let's just go to market i think you've got to acknowledge it empathy is important you need to say well look it's a great question should you go to market now or later i can't answer that so we've had a bit more of a discussion tell me why are you thinking of, why are you thinking of selling." Uh, What are you going to do next? Because if the answer is, well, I want to buy something else, it really doesn't matter when you go to market, as long as you're roughly buying and selling a similar market. So what do I think is going to change going forward? I think there's going to be less agents. I would say somewhere between minimum 10% reduction in the industry, potentially up to 20 25%. I think we could lose up to a quarter of the industry, which... I don't want to say Machiavellian, it's probably not a bad thing because I think as, as markets tend to boom, they attract a lot of people that kind of see it looks pretty easy. And as you know, being a master technician um, uh, in this game, it's not as easy as it looks. Some people came on and because the market was pretty effusive and, and pretty pretty good, um, they kind of did well anyway. You know, And as Warren Buffett says, you know, when the tide goes out, we'll see who hasn't had their swimming trunks on. And I think that we're going to see a quarter of the industry didn't have swimming trunks on. So I think there'll be a reduction in the industry. Um, not all bad. I think that the remaining agents, uh, a small portion, smallish portion of the, those that remain will have their best year of their life. They will, they'll get into it. The, the community and the marketplace will recognize we need Will Ainsworth selling for us. The guy, every time he puts a board up two weeks later, he puts a sold sign. I spoke to our neighbors. They said that it was a great experience um, so, I think the it'll polarize. You know, some will get out. The weak will probably, to be honest, get weaker, and the strong will probably get stronger. Which is a great reason for people to start adopting best practice. Um, I think uh, the way people work will change forever. I think that not just salespeople, but people in the workplace, many of them will never go back to an office environment. That uh, people will be working from home. Um, and, uh, again, not a bad thing from a from a business perspective. There might be an opportunity to reduce rent, reduce overhead. And a lot of studies are showing, Will, that the really the, the people that have got it organised with the best teams, they're just as effective, maybe more effective from home than they are from an office. <clears throat> so I think that will change. Uh, I think from a housing perspective, I think there are going to be people that have been hit hard, you know, ca- called cafe owners, travel agent owners, a couple of obvious categories who will be forced to possibly sell, unfortunately. They're super... Uh, and, and when I say unfortunately, some of them are going to sell anyway. You know, the kids have moved out. They've got four bedrooms. They only use one. They're thinking in the next few years they'll they'll sort of downscale and they'll buy an investment or they'll travel a bit more. I think that a lot of those people will bring that forward and we've already seen in most markets an uplift in, in listing activity. So I think that's going to happen. Um, I think there'll be some people that will actually upsize because some people will say we need a dedicated home office or two. Um, now that uh, people are, you know, working from home, husband or wife, one's going to say, I'm not going back to work. I need some place to work from each day. Dining room table probably for a lot of people long term won't work. So I think that that's going to happen. Uh, So I think there'll be design changes to homes. I think things like home gyms. A lot of people will see a gym as a dangerous place to go for the next few years, a public Mm -hmm. gym. And they'll kind of fit out a gym. They'll fit out a home office. Um, They'll do some other things around that kind of fit with a COVID secure COVID environment. So I think as an agent, you've got to be on top of all these things. You've got to know what are the design changes. What's the mood of the market? as I said before, empathy, the key will, I think, is going to be positivity but with empathy. If you're positive and you ignore other people's concerns or fears, you're going to come across as being heartless and just a sales kind of guy. If you're so empathetic, you get to a point where you say, oh, God, you know, after speaking to you, know, I think i better get out of the industry because I don't know why you're selling either. So I think you've got to say, look, tell me the reason for selling. I spoke to a guy last week, a friend of mine and someone that you know actually quite well. He was... Um, selling his property he'd got an offer which was kind of call it a couple hundred thousand less or or about you know six seven eight percent less than he wanted and I said man I'd be taking it if I were you because I think whilst I don't think the market's going to collapse I don't see a 20 percent drop I think the market might come back a bit and I think cash will be king and if you're in the market and you can say to a client hey Will I know you'd like $4 million for the property. If I were you, I'd like it too. I'll give you an offer at three point six exchange tonight, 14-day settlement, money's in the bank. That sort of activity is going to really pick up the odd bargain because there will be people that are forced to sell over the next 6 to 12 months. Hopefully not and hopefully not many, but the reality is there probably will be. And if you're cashed up as a, if you're no longer a seller, you're now a buyer, I do think there will be some good opportunities to snag a good buy. Over the next six to twelve months. Having said that, I don't see a collapse in the market. Um, Interest rates are closest to zero they've ever been in history. Mm. People can borrow money like never before. So what do you do with your money? So most people, fortunately, will have some money left over—cash, superannuation, something. If you if you leave it in the bank, you're going backwards. Even though inflation will probably come down a bit, but you know it's going to go backwards because you're getting half a percent interest. If you put it in the share market. You'll get a better yield most of the time, but there's also the risk that it can go the other way, of course. If You put into property, there's always a risk, but generally speaking, over a five to seven year horizon, you're going to increase your property value by 30, 50, 70%, depending where and when you buy. Um, and you're going to get a three to 4% yield along the way from a residential home. So you look at that and you say, well, I can get 0% in the bank, or I could get three or 4% on a residential bricks and mortar, sleep at night safely type of investment um i'm going to get some capital gain i might have to wait i might have to wait two or three years i'm not going to get it in the next six months but i am going to get it during the life cycle of, of this so i think there will be people that put money back into both investors and people just upgrading their own homes so yeah i think there's plenty of reason to be positive and optimistic but you also need to be cautious at the same time
0: yeah yeah good answer so sort of leading on to that, if I was an agent, um, and let's assume that uh, most of the agents watching on have been in the re- industry for sort of 12 to 36 months, um, some more, some less, but what would you do to build your pipeline in this current climate that we're in? Um,
1: look, I'd probably do the same activities, Will, that I'd do in any any market. The, the, the difference will come when you meet them and have a chat with them, either virtually or you go and actually go to their home. I think that... Um, You need layers of activities. Firstly is you need to be an attraction agent. You and I have spoken about this many times over the years. The best agents are attraction agents. The business finds them, the majority of it. So you need to look at who are you in the community? Who are you as a person? Are you organized? Are you energetic? Are you optimistic? Do you present yourself to your clients and your community in in a fashion that, that they have confidence in? So, you know, that's the Uink factor that we've spoken about at a lot of training sessions. I think that's key. Second thing is anyone you deal with must become a raving fan. Every time you meet someone today on the phone, on the email, on Zoom, in the market, if you're fortunate enough to be able to still show property, um, they have to be a raving fan. You have to leave an impression. They say, wow, never met anyone like Will. He was five minutes early, didn't bullshit me, enthusiastic, he asked me some really good qualifying questions that helped me think through the process. He told me what it was worth and why it was worth that. He kind of was a professional to deal with. Yes, he is enthusiastic, but he wasn't trying to push a square peg into the round hole. So Raving Fans. So you, Inc., Raving Fans, Attraction Agent. That's the key concept. That's where you're going to get most of your business. I asked Josh Cheslin when I interviewed him last week, well, you know, where do you get most of your business? He said 80%, maybe 90% is repeat and referral. But he still invests a lot of money on social media and on personal marketing. I'll tell you a bit about that. So you Inc, raving fans, age and attraction. So then what are the other layers that I recommend? And I say layers because it's very rare you're going to hit the absolute you know, bull'seye and say, I've just found the right algorithm and the right channel to get all my listings. You generally need things. So nowadays obviously social media is becoming more and more uh, critical. So what do I think that means? That means you need to have a good social media platform for your business. So you need to be posting content that is relevant to your customers, that is helping them understand the market and educate themselves, and you need to be doing it in a professional manner. Um, so that's important. Uh, and build, you build on that traffic, obviously, organically, one person at a time. Um, two is you need to boost appropriate um, posts. And, and we've spoken on our webinars again about Lisa Novak who doesn't work with us. She's one of the principals of Novak and she boosts every listing. She, she literally turns up to a listing and says, well, if you want me to start right now, I can get going. Let me just take a video of the home while I'm here. She does it with a phone, no fancy footwork, no gimbal, no nothing, no, no videographer. She walks around, she sends it to her database of people on Facebook. She actually does it Facebook live like you're doing it now. Mm-hmm. She then sends it to her community um, and it 's brilliant, so you know definitely social media key channel, and she boosts she only spends twenty to fifty dollars boosting. Josh Teslin spends a lot more he can spend five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars boosting so it 's up to you, but I think um good organic platform with um definitely some some good boosting, especially for the I think own the letterbox i'm 'm not a fan of letterbox drops, I have to say, but I recognize they actually do create value so you have to you have to take a you have to take a position on this i would find it hard if i was selling every day now because i actually know for the moment anyway owning the letterbox if it's done the right way works well but i also know it damages the environment or i believe it damages the environment and i'd have a so i'd, I'd find a way i'd be i'd be definitely moving more towards social but um you know pete chauncey a friend of yours will he, he does a thousand just listed a thousand auction invites a thousand just sold to every property he lists and he's got 83% market share. So that's one of his strategies, works very nicely in a 1,500-home um, uh, environment. He's got 83 84% market share and just won our, our number one. Um, so I think that's critical. Uh, open homes and buyer servicing is key. I think it's underestimated as a listing tool. If you do an extraordinary job in the field working with buyers, a lot of buyers They're also sellers, as you well know, but they also hold back the fact they're a seller because they don't want to be harassed and they want to see an agent because right now I'm interacting with you as a buyer. The fact that I have something to sell kind of for today's interaction might be irrelevant. So they'll sometimes keep their cards close to their chest, but it's still a critical channel for you to be looking after. So it's part of that raving fans referral. Um, Centres of influence in the community. I know you were very good at that. Um, some of your colleagues back at, at Geelong there. Um, yeah, making sure you know who are the shot callers, who are the people that know the people. Um, you know who can you add value to, who can you refer to, and receive referrals from. Really critical, and, and it could be hairdresser, could be accountant, could be strata managing agent, could be lawyer. There's so many people out there who have potential to refer business to you. So what business relationships and networking are you, uh, are you working with? Um, so I think, you know, when you're kind of do expired listings, again, it's critical there. There's no one in your community that has been, unfortunately, unable to sell through one of your competitors that, sh- that shouldn't have heard from you. And you've got to do it with integrity. You don't do it, you know, the day they list because there's a period of agency there. I wouldn't do it the day after an auction if it fails auction because, again, you don't want to look like you're chasing an ambulance there. I think you, you want to, you know, but you want to have a professional catch-up with them. So what I used to do is when someone listed, usually I would have known if I listed because so I was I would have lost it because, um, you know, I was called into most listings. Um, and I would wish them well and say, well, great, you, you've chosen um, you know, XYZ Real Estate. They're a great company. Sorry it couldn't have been me, but let me help you find something. So I was very much around the positive on helping them get some. And that just kept me in touch as servicing them as a buyer. And at some point, if their place hadn't sold, they're reaching out to me and saying, Hey, John, can we have a bit of a chat, not about buying, but about selling? Because as you know, we passed in three weeks ago and we were getting a bit frustrated. So what you know, you've got to have channels and they'd be some of the key ones, I suspect.
0: Yep. Um, I remember you telling me a while back with social media, it's uh, ego versus info, and I was always very reluctant to um, put stuff up that just made you know, just basically beating my chest as a real estate agent rather than let's inform the market become the person that people look at and say that agent told me what I needed to know about selling or buying or whatever it might be didn't just stand yeah. out the front with all these sold stickers and you know it just it sort of doesn't it defeats the purpose of what you're trying to achieve yeah look I think it's a
1: really good point you, you've got to ask yourself who, who is the customer I'm trying to talk to and I assume it's going to be predominantly buyers and sellers in your community. Do they really get turned on because you've just bought a brand new AMG car? You know, if anything, they get turned off because they probably haven't been able to afford that. And most people think rightly or wrongly agents are probably overpaid, I could, I would imagine. So, you know, I'm assuming that you were trying to connect with uh, inform, as you've just said, well, and build a relationship online with buyers and sellers that are interested in your sphere of influence, your community. Um, and a lot of agents, I think they're just going out there trying to impress other agents by telling them I bought the AMG, I'm in the Greek islands here, uh, all this sort of stuff. And I, I just think some success marketing is definitely good. And, you know, I've, I've seen Josh do a thing where he said, I have did six deals today, here are the contracts. And, you know, look, I, I think if you do it in the right way for, for someone thinking of selling, they're saying, God, everyone's whinging and look at him, he's just done six deals today or this week. So I think some success marketing, but preferably with a huge dose of humility. Um, and, and look, the message can be the same, but it's the delivery channel that's critical. You know, you, you can kind of be out there and you can be a bit of a spruik, or you can say, hey, you know, we had a really great week and we're fortunate that six of our, of our beautiful homes transacted this week. I'll tell you about an interesting one in Smith Street. The buyer came from Hong Kong. In fact, they didn't come from Hong Kong. They saw it online. They bought the property, you know, through open negotiations, through your platform. And, um, you know, they've never seen it. They pay, you know, $1.8 million and, and we're really delighted for the clients. And by the way, we then got our clients into another one of our properties, which really is. So you can do it in an informative. You've got to look at what are the bits of information pertaining to a transaction that is interesting enough that you can because you can't disclose some things, of course, and you never disclose something that you're not permitted to. But I think that if you have permission of both parties to talk about a sale, a bit of detail, a price, those sort of things uh, it's a good thing if it's if it's an open negotiation which is a public sort of transparent thing or, an, or a public auction, then you generally have that right to do that talk about price because it was revealed in a public scenario yeah so uh, yeah I think I think it's really critical to do it in the right but it all depends on you know Will I think you and I are a bit the same that you know we, we're excited we're enthusiastic but kind of you know the ego stuff I feel incredibly uncomfortable with with that stuff. And I don't know how some other people you know, portray themselves as they do out there in the market, but that's their decision. But, um, really critical. Other, video is really becoming very, very important. As you know, video for property, um, video for messaging, uh, weekly wraps, um, sneak previews, the stuff that you used to do, the stuff that Lisa Novak does really well. Also weekly wraps. There's plenty of good in the market, plenty of good examples of that. I saw one of our guys the other day, um, Matty Edwards at, at uh, Ballarat. He did a great. He does a great little pre-listing, sixty-second video. I think I've sent it to you, or you've seen it. You know, says, "Hey, Will, just wanted. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. I Thought I'd put a face to a name. Um, Here's the agenda for tomorrow. If you want, having any other questions, jot them down. I'll deal with them tomorrow. Really looking forward to meeting you. So he's using video as an ability to get someone comfortable with him before he arrives at the property, um, and just you know, send out a nice connecting message. So I think have a look at those things.
0: Yep. Um, I remember when I started at McGrath, there were some stats that came out about um, successful agents who do run an EBU or a pod structure versus ones that don't. And I know you mentioned Josh um, does phenomenal numbers with one. Um, Let's assume you call it the average run-of-the-mill agent at this point in time because he's he's a freak. Elite, yeah. Um, Where do you think the agent from running on their own with no assistance, so to speak, to then going to the next level, how important do you think it is having support and team members to actually leverage you as an agent? Um,
1: I think leverage was was a big message we got last week on our webinar. Leverage is important. So what's leverage? It's using what you've got to scale up and go to the next level. A bit like you'd, you know, you'd use a, a seesaw to leverage up a boulder sort of thing. So what I think... Having an assistant, a team, initially one, and then potentially building it to more than one is an important leverage. I think you don't do it until you feel you can afford it because otherwise it becomes a distraction. Um, so you either save some funds up or you share one in the in the short term. Um, you know, Perhaps there's a 50K assistant that you can share with someone else and, and so you've got a half investment for each of you. Because the last thing you want, it's like a mortgage over your head. You just don't want that distraction day by day. So I think um, it's important. Most people can get to, the average in the industry is only like 10 to 15 sales a year, probably that's above the average. You don't need an assistant to go there, but if you want to go to 30 or 50 or 100, you definitely need to build a team around you. So I think that if your aspiration is to get into those bigger numbers, um, once you get beyond about a sale a week, maybe sort of four to six is about the middle ground, up to four, you should be able to handle a, a sale and a listing every week yourself. Um, once you're getting towards, you know, two sales or listings a week, you probably do need someone to kind of sweep up all the the tidying up bits and the, make sure the photography and all the marketing stuff's done, contracts are in. And then certainly once you're up to, you know, a couple of sales a week, you would want a really good team, at least a great person, and then you'd be moving towards a buyer specialist there. Um, so Michael Dowling's got a great team up in Sydney. You know, Michael. Yeah. Well, Will, and... Yeah, you know, he's got four people. So basically, um, he's the key lister and negotiator. He's got um, two uh, people that are basically just prospecting uh, really hard for him. He's got a um, and he's got a business associate, Chris Panisi, and they've got uh, red CSM as we call them, or marketing and administrative. So he's but he's gearing up to a sale a day. He's at the moment running twenty to twenty five active campaigns a month. So, you know, he's got five, but that's going to be a sale-a-day type of, of uh, business.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's amazing numbers. But, um, you know, I've watched his career um, and he's gone from, um, you know, four sales a month to eight to this. He didn't just wake up one day and then have 20 listings. Um, he's definitely built that over time. which is interesting. He
1: came to me. He was doing about a million and a bit about 18 months ago. He came to me and he said, would you do some coaching, which I was delighted to do so with him. So we've been coaching monthly the last 18 months and he's now up to probably on track to three and a half so that's one to three and a half in a period of 18 months and I take zero credit it's but it's like just focusing in on the activities so here's what he needed to do well we recognize he needed to leverage and be better team leader because he was a great agent and then he kind of had some assistance off to the side that he probably wasn't spending as much time and and, and effort as he needed to in building that culture That now he switched to kind of making it like one team, and he's like a mini franchise, if you will. And uh, so he's, he's now seen the benefits of becoming a great leader. But for most agents, it's prospect, list, sell, zero to 10, you ask yourself the question, what is the uh, prospecting activities and what is the methodology and frequency? So I can stay doing hour calls a day and you can get in there and you can be in a bad mood and you can skip a few and be inconsistent and be a bit negative on the phone. So it's not only the activity, but it's the method in which you do the activity. So you've got to be switched on. You've got to be enthusiastic. You've got to be client-focused. You've got to be empathetic. You've got to have your listening ears on so you're really hearing what they're saying and you're hearing what they're not saying. Um, So you need to do all of that stuff and um, you need to do it consistently. So zero to 10, what's your prospecting? When I ask the question uh, of most people, the answer is less than five. Some say, well, I'm good some days, but I've got to be honest, when I get busy, I stop doing it, then I regret it because I've got no listings. Then I so, you know, there are three or a four. So you've got to be a nine out of ten at least prospector. Then you need to walk in, prepare for before you arrive and then walk in and then post-listing follow through like a nine out of ten lister. World best being ten, you need to be so close to world best. And... There's no one that can't become a nine out of 10 lister. anyone smart enough to be in the industry, be one of your clients, be watching this, this webinar, or this Zoom call, has got what it takes to be a nine out of 10 lister if you put the effort into it. But you don't just wake up one day and say, great, you know, I saw Will and John talk yesterday. So you have to actually say, unpack my listing. What's my preparation like? It's like a footballer. What's my preparation for the game like? What's my training like? What's my game day like? Uh, what's my, you know, sort of post-rehab like? Same in listing. When I'm getting ready for a listing, what are the questions I ask? What do I send them in advance? Do I send them a Matt Edwards 60-second video? If not, why not? Oh, well, that's not, not me. Okay, well, think about it. Maybe it is you. Do you send them a pre-listing package? Um, do you send it to them within an hour of the phone call? So they get it and they say, wow, geez, i just hung up the phone from Will and he's already given me a nice little dossier on him and here's some nice client testimonials, oh, I actually know this guy, so I didn't even know that he sold through off, off, uh, off market or open negotiation, that's cool. So, you know, what are you doing in advance? And then you're arriving punctually and well prepared or you're arriving five minutes late, rushing from one meeting to the next. When you get to see the property, what is your product knowledge like? Do You know the difference between an Edwardian and a Victorian and a California bungalow and a federation and you understand the architecture, and you understand design and finishes. Do you know what are the best finishes at the moment for drapes and bench tops and bathroom wall tiles and you know, floor tiles? So, you know, you've got, to, you've got to make it like a Harvard business degree. We can earn more money in this industry than the finest surgeons and barristers and whoever else on the planet. But these guys are putting in hundreds of hours, thousands of hours of work to even get the right to be a solicitor or a barrister or a surgeon. Um, we do a, you know, two-day course or a two-week online course and then we get into it and we have a little bit of success and then people think they're God's gift to real estate. They stop doing it. I mean, I'd be watching all the real estate shows. There's a great show called Grand Designs and there's a good Australian version. There's, a, I think, a slightly even better uh, UK version, Kevin MacLeod presents. I'd be saying, you know, I want to watch Kevin McLeod, what he says, how he connects with customers, how he describes properties, how he walks through the home. And I would be looking for tips because that's the sort of refined level of detail I think you need to have to be a 9 out of 10. So mm. then in the listing, what are the questions you're asking the client? You know, you need to guide them because they don't know. They do this once a decade, list a home. You do it every day. So, you know, well, there are four or five things that most of my clients find really important for us to go through. What I'd love to do is talk about the methodology and the process and, act. you know, as if we were to go forward together today... I'd love to kind of talk through what that would look like over the next fortnight. My average days on market is 17 days. So in 17 days, we'll probably be sitting here with a sold sign out the front if we move forward and adopt this process. So let me take you through it. Um, You know, here are the things that clients often ask me at this point. What questions do you have? Being comfortable in that situation, being comfortable for them to raise issues. I've been speaking to Mike Dowling about, I said the number one issue for you, Mike, right now is, You've got so many listings, it's now, are you too busy? And if they don't say it, believe me, they're thinking it. No one goes to list with Will Ainsworth or Mike Dowling without going to your your website, looking at all your listings, saying, oh, this is nice, but, man, I'm going to be number 24. You know, the other guy who also seems quite good, he's only got four listings, so maybe I should there. So you've got to actually know the benefits of dealing with the high-volume agent that's able to cross-sell and cross-refer, that's got the market momentum and, and... all of the things that are the benefits. So you've got to be good at knowing what's your, and here's a good tip for your listeners. What are the, before you go to a listing, if you can do it with a principal or a sales manager, good, if not, just do it in your own head. What are the three reasons the client may be hesitant about listing with me today? Now, one could be general COVID. That's not about you, it's about the market. Two could be, Jesus, you know, Will, you got 25 listings. That could be a problem. the other end of scale three will geez, you've only been in the game six months i've heard good things about you but the other guy up the road he's been a principal for 30 years maybe it's safer to go with him so what are the three things that could be a concern for someone listing with you number one and then what are the five reasons they would be mad not to list with you would be the second thing so if you've got those clear in your head and you can deal with both of those and you can explain the process and i'd be saying well you know i've got a 14 step process that i believe is a system guaranteed to give you the highest possible price so today with your permission i'd like to step you through what are those steps because they're all important there's not one thing an agent can do to get you the highest possible price but there are in my opinion 14 things they must do and these are an absolute embedded part of our system so i'd love to take you through that so you've got to have that confidence You've got, to, you've got to give them confidence that you're confident without arrogance. Um, you've got to have a process that you explain. And rather than promising them stuff, just talk them through the process. Here's what will happen, Will. I'll, I'll leave here today, hopefully with a signed authority so I can get started. The first thing I'm going to do is this. Then by the time I'm back at the office, I'm going to be doing this. Then I want to bring my stylist around tomorrow morning if you're available. If not, you tell me a time that works and I want to walk through with the buyer's eyes on and work out between you, me, and my stylist, what are the things that a buyer's going to be concerned about and can we deal with those here and now? So, you know, go through it. Then I'm going to get a pest and building report because I want to know if there's any issues and this is part of our service strategy. So you've got to go through and take them through those 7, 10, 14 steps. And at the end of that, if you don't get the listing, I guess sometimes, I mean, Josh said last week, He said, John, I I missed a listing yesterday. And he said, I rang the back and I said, could you tell me why? And he said, to be honest, Josh, you were too over the top. And he said, cool, thanks for being honest. And he said, I know that for a lot of people, I'm over the top. I'm mega enthusiastic. i got a lot of energy. And he said, I'm cool with that, that I am going to miss some listings. But he said, I am me. I'm authentic and true to myself. I'm a passionate person. And I know that one in 10 listings I will lose because I'm too passionate. And he said, "I'm okay with that." So, authenticity, I think, is pretty critical. Back to your questions.
0: <laughs> um, when I was an agent about seven or eight weeks ago, um, I remember waking up every day, and in my inbox would be a new piece of technology for real estate. Um, and you probably get the same, even more. How does an agent cut through all the noise of all these things that are coming at us, saying, "Do this, do that." Um, How do you decide what to implement and what you don't?
1: Yeah, it's a good good point. If you have an assistant, if you're lucky enough to have developed your your team to have at least an assistant, I would delegate to them. I would say, please read all the articles that come in. Don't bother me with any unless you think they're game changers. And, you know, out of 10 bits of technology that come in, one might be a potential game changer, maybe nine. uh, I just rehashed things you've seen before. So if you can delegate it, good. If not, I would look to, I think you've got to move pretty quickly and you've got to be a bit ruthless in in cutting things out um, because you're right, you know, the, the average listener on today, I'd be surprised if they don't get 100 emails a day and you can make it a full-time job to reply to them all and read them all and meet everyone, but that probably is not dollar-productive either. So I think you've got to curate. If you can't delegate, curate, be efficient, effective, be pretty ruthless but don't miss an opportunity either because, you know, like your platform out there, yours is a you know relatively new, I guess, compared to, say, the auction system is out there and, you know, people should be across it and should be aware of it and should know that others are using it very successfully. But there could be something else out there. In fact, there are a lot of other something else's out there that really I would just be – and, sure, you, occasionally you're going to make a bad decision. You're going to push something aside then find out two years later if you'd have adopted it, it would have helped. But yeah, that's part of life, you know, part yeah. of what we're going through at the moment.
0: Um, speaking of open negotiation, and I was a bit reluctant to bring it up because um, I understand you're a neutral supporter, so to speak, but everyone on here are certified open negotiation agents. So you and I sat down probably 18 months ago, this new product out that I wanted to implement, um, and you, I taught you about the process. And now um, since moving on to this job, a lot of McGraw agents have actually implemented open negotiation and, and some very successfully. What are your thoughts about the process and how do you think it's going to work moving forward into the future?
1: Yeah, look, as you would know, until I had face-to-face meeting with you and, and you kind of talked me through it, I was, if anything, probably more on the negative side, not the neutral side, because of exactly what we've just said. There have been so many things over the 40 years I've been in real estate that people come up with that were going to change the industry and, and to be honest, very few have. Um, so I, I kind of came from a default position of being cynical then when I, well, first I heard about the success you were having. I thought, well, you can't be cynical anymore. You actually need to check this out. Then when you explained it to me, I could see the great benefits of it. And I think what it's doing is what really this industry has to do more of is bring good traditional practices. We don't want to get rid of the agent or the human out of it. I think there's a great role for us probably forever, but we need to bring technology into it and bring those two together. And I think that really does well. I mean, if you look at the auction system, I guess you say, well, REA starts distributing, brings people in, and then you turn up and you bid. That's good. That, And I think there's definitely a very healthy future for most people with auction. But I think this has got another slant, and it's got some other points of difference, which are really intriguing. And as you said, not just yourself, Will, but I know a number Clint. I saw Clint's little video last week from Noosa, um, what, how he's using it. And you can't ignore the traction that you guys are getting. So... It may not be for everyone. I think you've got to check it out. Your guys obviously are already raving fans because they're using it. All I'd say for someone that's outside of your domain there or your bubble and hasn't heard of it or used it, you've got to check it out. Um, And as I said, there are some markets people will check it out and probably implement it and it won't work for whatever reason. I mean, auction doesn't work in every market, Mm. although we know auction works in most markets. I'm sure open negotiation won't work in every single market in the country, but It's going to work. It's already working in and we'll continue to work in a lot of markets. So I think people have just got to uh, be open to it. The best thing is to test it, try it. If I was an agent out there, even if I was a bit cynical, sceptical, I'd be saying, well, okay, well, let's, let's give it a go. I'm going to not in a cavalier way because you know, when someone lists their property with you, you don't just kind of have a throw at the stumps, but based on the success you've been having elsewhere, You know, well, talk me through this. Can you guys help me list one or two and take them to market and coach me through the process, which I'm sure you've got a team that does that. And I think you've got to to look at it.
0: Thanks, John. So more on a slightly personal basis, I'm going to go through some rapid fire questions and I'm going to have a bit of fun with you. Who would play you in a movie?
1: Most unattractive male actor, middle-aged male actor that I could find at the time, I would say can't think of who would be that. <laughs> Certainly wouldn't be Hugh Jackman. That's, I can guarantee you that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, fair enough. Would you rather be too hot or too cold? Too hot or too cold? Too cold because I can always, it's
1: easier to warm up than it is to cool down, I find. Yep. Is it better to seek uh, forgiveness or ask permission? Forgiveness. I think I think you got to go with your gut feeling. If you go with your gut feeling, most of the time you'll be right and when you're wrong, you apologise.
0: Yep. And what's the best piece of advice? Very hard one to answer, of course. Best piece of advice you've ever been given? You know, that's a, that is a hard one because I start thinking of quotes
1: and so many quotes have changed my life or, or things. I, I think it's almost something that you just touched on there, Will, which really is important. Trust your instinct. I think that we have, you know, I don't know whether there have been, I'm, I don't know, I haven't formed a view yet, whether, you know, we have past lives and future lives and whatever, I don't know. But I do have a feeling that we all have incredible wisdom locked into our DNA if we would trust it 99.5% of the time you have a bad feeling about something and go or someone and go ahead anyway, It typically doesn't work well for you. So what, what brings a bad feeling in some instances, it's just an analytical assessment of the situation in others, it's something other than that. It's an energy. So I, I think that trust your gut feeling around things Um, I think, really critical. Uh, Next one would be think bigger. Think bigger. I mean, I'm fortunate that when I started in real estate, I kind of had a a big view of the world. I wanted to be the best agent on the planet. And that level of thinking certainly got me more success than if I just wanted a job and to pay next month's mortgage. So I think um, most people think smaller than they should because they have people around them that have either drilled it into them or they're embarrassed to think, Big, it's funny when I said to Tesla, You know, what's your goal? He looked at me and said, 10 million. And there wasn't a, like, Well, you know, look, I'm really happy with where I'm at. If I could get a bit more, that'd be great. God, if I get to 10 million, who knows? He just looked at me and he said, 10 million. And I have zero doubt he'll write 10 million dollars zero doubt, zero down So, but other people I'll often say, You know, they're writing 600, and I'll say, So, what's your goal? I'm coaching them, and they'll say, Oh, you know, you know, obviously I'd like to get 750, but, you know, if one day in five years I could write a million, I'm thinking, man, which just tell me a million and then let's have a conversation on how to get you there. But if you're hesitant, I'm going to be hesitant and you need to be committed to the things it's going to take and the mindset it's going to take and the energy and the network. So if you're writing... Let's say you know, a million is probably a stretch for a lot of people in this industry. Let's call it two hundred and fifty. Let's say you're writing two hundred and fifty, which probably a lot of people are on this call and and more. And you want to get to five hundred, you want a two X. So I say to people, you you right now you have two hundred and fifty k listing presentation, two hundred and fifty k prospecting strategy, two hundred and fifty k marketing and negotiation. You've got a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar network. You've got a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar plan business plan. And people say, well, how do you know that? And I say, because you're riding 250, because also all all roads lead to 250. So if you want to get to 500 or 2.5 million, we need a new vehicle, a new mindset, a new network. doesn't mean throw the old network out or throw all your old thoughts out, but you have some great thoughts at the moment that have got you to 250. Well done, you. Many people on the planet will never get near that. However, if you want to get to a million or 2.5 million, you need some new thoughts. And what are those thoughts? You need a new time management system. You need a new listing presentation. You need a new energy. I've noticed I've been sitting having a coffee with you now for the last half hour and I've noticed that you're kind of quite negative every time I say something, you immediately default to the negative. You need to be defaulting to the positive. So, yeah, you know, let's work at work on that. It's usually pretty easy to tell with people that are at a certain level, which you, you, you assume is less than their potential what are they lacking and, and normally it's stuff they got to stop doing more than stuff they got to start doing um they got to stop being negative they've got to stop talking themselves down they've got to stop doubting their potential um and then by doing that they're going to start having a big, bigger mindset more expansive thinking ryan Sirhan does great stuff on video we'd recommend everyone as you subscribe to you i mean this is this is the embarrassment. Here you've got Ryan Surhan. You go to YouTube, you type in Ryan Surhan, you subscribe to his channel, and there's there's probably fifty videos there. Zero cost yeah. it takes you five minutes, probably on average, to watch each one. and can change your game, and yet people still aren't doing it. Mm. So, um, yeah, just what's my favourite saying in the age? Not my, one of my favourite. In the age of information, ignorance is a choice. Yeah. And right now, I mean, you're putting on this generous webinar and we put on webinars and Tommy Panos does put on webinars and Ryan Surhant posts things to the video for free. It's it's just like it's up to you. you got to put the effort in and with the enthusiasm.
0: John, that's, uh, that brings us to the end, mate. I really, really appreciate all your insights and information. Obviously, I know you well and um, I know where you've come from, where you are now, um, and I wouldn't have been the agent I was when you were talking about two x, ten x. I didn't think a million dollars was achievable as a real estate agent, and you're the one um, without your mm-hmm. pocket. You're the one that opened up um, the ceiling of my mind to achieve that. Um, and I genuinely didn't think that was a possibility until speaking to you and being coached by you. So I have a lot to thank you for, and as does the rest of the industry, not just the McGrath agent. So my pleasure.
1: Well, good luck with that. I think open negotiations and exciting new
0: platforms. So. Good luck to everyone that's on there and I'll look forward to chatting to you offline shortly. Likewise. Thanks again, John, and thanks everyone for watching and uh, look forward to the Better Agent series next month. Have a good day, everyone.